Unburdened. Welcome to Unburdened. I'm Rashani, and today I am joined by Gerald and our guest host, Kyle. Um, Kyle is from the 12 Kyle podcast, which is available, uh, on a myriad of different podcast feeds, including iTunes and Google music. Um, and you can also catch him on the eclectic discussion podcast. Um, we are a podcast that, uh, searches and reveals the mental health of black men. Um, and also looks at the things that we uh, embraced or were taught earlier in our lives that has led to a more toxic environment uh, for, well, everyone involved. Um, Gerald, how are you doing today? Uh, today's pretty good. Today's pretty good. I figured out some tech stuff this weekend that is going to um, take my my project to the next level. So I've just been working on that. It's, it's good. To, it's good to be able to just drill down and focus on one thing and get it completed. I feel like that's something that doesn't happen to everybody because it never happens to me. Like I'll be doing one thing and then I will look up and see something in the corner and I'm like Doug from uh, up squirrel. And all of a sudden, I'm just like onto that topic or that project as well. So when I can actually sit down and focus on something and just drill in and get locked into it, it is so glorious. Whether it's a project, a book, um, hanging around with my family, just something. So I commend you on being able to do that. You know, it's been good. Um, but I'm I'm kind of that way when I find something that is a challenge or a problem, like especially a technical problem that can be solved. Like I get super focused on it because I get excitement from solving problems and doing things that other people doing things in a very simple and inexpensive way that other people like go out and spend a crap load of money to get the exact same effect. So, yeah, I was pretty excited. Okay. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Uh, first and foremost, man, thanks for having me on here. Always a pleasure uh, to come through and, you know, talk. Anytime you can talk with the fellas, that's good, man. Rashani, it's been a minute since we've done something together. It has. Um, yes, it's, but it's been, but you know what, what's cool about it is that's the testament to how long we've been doing it. I remember, um, man, it, it was years ago. You were like, you were telling me, you said, look, you need to get on this black podcast stuff. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to do what you're talking about. And, um, and lo and behold, man, that was, and I think that was like when the single simulcast really just took off, man. So it's, it's been a minute, but again, that, that shows, you know, just how long you've been around, uh, seasoned, if you will. <laughs> yeah. That's what we call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't call it old. We call it seasoned. Oh, you know, sometimes I think about what my retirement plan is going to be. And then I realize I still like doing this. So I'm not going anywhere for a while. No question. Um, but how's your day going? How are you doing? Doing well, man. I just finished celebrating my daughter's seventh birthday party. Um, and so that was cool. Uh, she had a bunch of her friends. We had a, they had a skate party at a local skating ring here in Atlanta. And, um, it was interesting because like, you know, I, it, personally like i don't remember my seventh grade seventh party when i when i turned seven i probably didn't have one but um you know the bells and whistles and all of the other extras and money that you spend and stuff like that of course you, you do everything for your kids but um uh with my daughter being first and foremost the youngest and then given the fact that she has three older brothers uh you know being the only girl you know she Let's just let's just keep it real. She's spoiled. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean I ain't about to, I'm not about to sit here and lie on this podcast. She's spoiled, but I mean that's that's my heart. So, you know, we do everything for it. So um so it was cool. So it, it was uh it was good, you know, being around her and, and her friends and just seeing how these little girls interact and you know, I guess when you look at kids at that age, you still can appreciate their innocence and everything like that. So that was fun. Now I, I um 
just got back from my daughter's softball game, go go softball game. And um also while I was up there, because softball is softball, so there's a lot of downtime uh mm-hmm. between games. They had a two day tournament yesterday and today. Um and so while I was up there, I was also looking at my uh my my feed on, on Facebook, you know, uh looking at the timeline and something that popped up which associates back to what you were just saying in a way, um, was that a guy was saying uh had a picture of his daughter uh on on the timeline and you know he was like this is my daughter um i love her to pieces she's my heart and soul she's not this young anymore but even now and then it just takes that that familiar sinister turn that all guys feeds take <laughs> you know she's still young i mean she's not as young as she was in this picture but she's mm-hmm. still my heart and my soul, and I will gladly grab a shotgun and shoot anybody <laughs> in the face who comes near my daughter or hurts my daughter or approaches my daughter or right. tries to preach to my daughter or talks to my daughter or offers candy to my daughter. I got a shotgun. But right. I, I also want to point out I have a son, and my son, boys will be boys. But my right, daughter, right, right. I will shoot you in the face. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I'll shoot you in the face. And right. it just... It struck me because we see all these pictures around prom season or prom time mm-hmm. about guys mm-hmm. holding shotguns around their daughters and their prom dates. We see all this stuff uh, back in the day about shotgun weddings where fathers would wield shotguns to protect their daughters, what they called, quote unquote, honor when they got uh, pregnant outside of, of, of marriage or, or were dating or anything like that, the father would grab a shotgun and say, you got to marry my daughter or else her her reputation won't be unsullied. And that's got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to stop. And and it, it's not so much that it's um, horribly, horribly uh, patriarchal. Uh, to say it is my job to protect this, this, this girl, this woman, uh, who, by the way, more often than not is more than capable of protecting themselves if they're taught the same things that you teach your boys, mm-hmm. which is how to fight mm-hmm. and how to stand up for themselves and yeah. how to be just engaged and involved in all this kind of stuff. But, um, it's like we are, I feel like so strongly like we are limiting our, our, our daughter's potential. And and by saying, you know what, I'm never going to let them get hurt. I'm never going to let them go through this. I'm never going to let them go through that. When it with our boys, it's like boys will be boys. Dust mm-hmm. yourselves off. Soldier through. Be strong. All these really uh masculine terms that we use for guys, like soldier on and fight through it and, and, and dust yourself off. For ladies, it's like, oh, they're gentle. They're fragile. And that, that's not how it should be. What do y'all think? Gerald, Corbin's not here this time. <laughs> God dog it. <clears throat> um, and I was I was just thinking about this. Actually, I'm always thinking about this. You know, my my take on all of that is that um, I remember when I was younger. Um, you know, when you I don't know how to say this. What I saw and what I what I analyzed from seeing the 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 girls who either had a dad who was way overprotective or a dad who was not there. Um, it, it sparked very much, very similar behaviors mm-hmm. just at, di- just at different times, right? Like, uh, the, the not their dad, the behaviors were much younger, the there and way to, I'm going to protect my daughter from everything. Then it was as soon as they got to college, it's like, I have to, I have to go experience all the things that I couldn't experience. Yep. Um, but what I saw in uh, friends of mine who had parents who just treated them like little developing humans and they got to experience things. They got to find out for themselves what worked, what didn't, uh, what's fun, what's not, uh, what's the big deal that everybody's talking about this thing or that thing. And then they got to decide for themselves uh, whether or not that was for them with supportive parents who just kind of helped them along the way. And, you know, my friends who were like that, I never saw them go through any of those phases because it's like, while the rest of the world is out here 
um, just trying to experience everything all at one time, they're in a situation where it's like, I don't, I don't feel like I've missed out on anything. And I've also been taught how to make my own decisions. And so I'm just going to be happy living my life and I'll do what I want to do and I won't do what I don't want to do. And, you know, I'm going to grow and develop, um, in a healthy way. So to me, like when I think about my daughters and, and raising them, that's kind of the thing that has driven how I want to engage with them. I don't, I don't want them feeling like that, um, they're to be protected from all things because they're going to have to experience them. And when they ask questions or when they, you know, they interact with things, I want them at every step along the way to be getting smarter and more capable mm-hmm. because once I'm not there, I don't want that to suddenly be the time where they're like, okay, I got to catch up on all of this stuff. Right. Right. How your thoughts? No, that's, uh, that's a good point. You actually both made good points. I think uh, part of the issue is, is that we as fathers have to, we have to trust what it is that we're telling and teaching our sons just as much as what we're trusting and teaching and telling our daughters. And like you said, Rashani, it get it gets to that point where, you know, like you said, it's the prom and and all of that good stuff when they're dating, and it's like, okay, the first guy that hurts her, I'm gonna kill her, kill this guy. It can't be that. It's ha- you you have to, like Gerald said, these are growing people and they're young people, and they'll eventually become young adults. And you don't want to necessarily put some type of protective cocoon upon them because what happens is, is at the end of the day, they got to go out and live in this world just like everybody else, you know. And what you don't want is you don't want a situation where they are fearful of making mistakes, fearful of uh, just being themselves, fearful of just using the values that you've taught them. Basically, if you give them the fundamentals, everything else, if you trust your parenting skills and you trust them as what for for what they've to, what you've told them then everything else take takes care of itself you can't necessarily live in that type of fear um but i think part of it comes from you know it's it's just a double standard you know we we trust our sons to you know to be the providers and all of this other stuff and it, it's an old mentality it's an old way of thinking and you know we got to give our daughters that same love and that same protection and that same drive and desire, or at least encourage it to where, you know, they're not fearful of those mistakes and then won't necessarily feel compelled to gravitate and push themselves up under or push themselves on someone who is displaying those type of things. So I, I think you both made some great points on that. And you know what? Let, let, let's, let's delve deeper into that idea that you just said of, of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for so many guys um, and for so many parents, let's be honest, um, mm-hmm. there is a hesitation to talk to your daughters about things that you would talk to your sons about because of fear. You don't want to. Some parents are hesitant to have that sex talk, but it seems to be amplified when they're talking to their daughters about it. They're they're mm-hmm. they're hesitant to talk about uh, here, you need to do this in this event, but they're hesitant to talk to their daughters about it because a, in my mind, honestly, I think that, uh, a lot of parents have set aside the idea that kids are to be seen and not heard. They set that whole thing aside. They Mm. know that that's a fallacy, but when they were growing up, their moms cleaned Mm. their moms, provided their moms cooked their moms did this and that their dads produced children and worked like that's all they did was have sex and work because when you talk to your sons you talk to them about and we talked about this on an earlier episode you talk to them about you can take a day off when i take a day off you can you can miss work whenever you can't never miss work you you can't take a sick day you got to do this you got to again you got to be strong you got to push through and for ladies, it's like, hey, I'm in the kitchen making a cake. Let me teach you how to do this. Mm. Hey, let me show you the correct way to uh, bleach these clothes without getting a hole in it. And then what happens is you have these uh, young ladies who needed to be taught more about how to cope with all of the bull that they're about to go through 
with guys when they mm-hmm. step into college, when they step into high school. Shoot, I know people who, based on a on a on a uh, post that I saw on Twitter, a thread that I saw on Twitter, there were people who said that they first noticed that men were looking at them in a sexual way when they were eight years old, and we're holding off from talking to. Um, young ladies or our daughters about how to protect themselves because we don't want them to one guy was like i don't want them to get too muscular we need to Mm. have these talks with our with our daughters the same way that we need to have the talks with our sons about how to take care of themselves because we have all these talks with with our kids that are again compartmentalized we separate them from one another and and then when your sons grow up you have these boys who don't know how to wash clothes mm, or cook or, 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 or clean, don't want to clean. Oh, my mom did the cleaning. My mom did the cooking. And then you get all these misogynistic terms. Oh, my grandma did the cooking and always made my grandfather a plate. Oh, my, my, my sister did the cleaning. I never had to do, I never had to want for anything. And then you have the, the young ladies who are cooking and cleaning and don't question why and don't, don't speak up and never get involved because as soon as they tried to say something, it was like, you know, one of the realest things that I've seen on TV as I get older, when I was younger, it was problematic and it still is problematic, but it's problematic in a way that if you really think about it, it's the way things really are not to the level that it is on this show, but it is the way that things are family guy and Meg. The way mm. Meg gets treated on Family Guy is she gets pushed aside every single time something happens. She gets maligned. She gets ignored until they actually need her. And then all of a sudden it's, oh my God, Meg. Meanwhile, the two boys, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm spitballing on this because I haven't watched the show in like years, but the two boys are always like involved in some way, shape or form with the larger thing that's going on in their family. And, and, and there's a lot of, that I see in the in in society where you'll have your boys with you because they like sports or you've they like sports or they like video games or or they like fishing or they like hunting or whatever it may be but you got to keep this in mind fellas you taught them to like those things mm-hmm. you never took time to teach your daughters to like anything and then you're like, I just don't know how to reach her. Well, if you taught her about basketball and y'all are on the court and one day y'all could just have that talk, you can have any talk you want with your kids. Look, they don't think it's weird until you make it weird. So right. have the conversations with your daughters that you would have with your sons and watch. I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, your kids will all grow up more confident and be more successful in this world than you could have ever imagined. Oh, I agree totally. I think uh, you, the point you made is that it's, it's about what you instill in them. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily wait for the world to instill confidence in them. You don't necessarily wait for the world to extend instill how to love in them. That's something that you do honestly on a day to day basis mm-hmm. and you do it consistently. And then not only do you give it to them, but you also let them see that through your actions and how you interact with you know, if if you're married, how you interact with 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 their mother. If you're not married, how you you know, if you want to call it baby mom, whatever the case may be, they kids will gravitate to whomever and whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, my my dad told me a long time ago. It was something that he was told right before I was born. He said, "It's three things that you have to give a child: love, discipline, and an example to follow." And I've often seen that the love and the discipline, you know, pretty easy to give. Right. You know, we can we can love our children. We can discipline them, spank them up, put them on time out or whatever the case may be. But the example to follow, that's a little bit tougher for some mm-hmm. because, you know, you get to a point and we, we all can remember there was a certain age that you got to when you realize, you know, mom and dad are Superman, Superman, Superwoman. Right. But they also you also get to a point in life where you realize that they're flawed. And, you know, when they can see through those flaws, you know, that's that's something different there. That's something that you have to kind of take account with and, and kind of self-assess and like, look, OK, my, my kid sees that I'm not perfect. 
and be okay with that and then also live a life to where they can understand that and move forward and and not necessarily feel like I have to be like mom or I have to be like dad. Gerald? So I'm listening to all this, but I've been stuck on something from a few minutes ago <laughs> that I feel like just it, it needs to be said. Um, I, I just heard the word prom and that I may have heard somebody else say something about the whole, you know, first person that does this to my daughter. I'm going to hurt him, blah, blah, blah. Um, my sons are my babies too. Mm-hmm. If you think mm-hmm. it's cool to take a picture with your daughter, niece, cousin, whoever it is and their date, and y'all are all sending their brandishing pistols as if <laughs> you're trying to say, if he does something, I'm going to kill him. That's somebody's baby, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Great point. I, I try not to cuss too much, but I will fuck you up if I ever find out that you decided you wanted to intimidate my baby with a gun because he showed interest in your daughter. Mm-hmm. That is fucking toxic. That shit pisses me off beyond most anything else in this world. It, it disgusts me. It pisses me off. It's one of the few things that, that makes me feel violence in me. And, and it's, it's done as like, it's a joke. Like I remember I still, right. And there's a whole bunch of problematic toxic things in this world that are that are funny in a certain context. Mm-hmm. Bad boys too. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're but talking about. <laughs> that scene is the funniest scene in that movie to me to this day because of the way that you know that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence acted it out. But it's a fucked up situation. Mm-hmm. And every year around April you see this timeline with all of these pictures, all these grown ass men standing there trying to intimidate a 15, 16 or 17 year old child with guns and then putting out there like it's cool. That is that is a very fucked up mentality that we have internalized and normalized to look at young men and say, you are a predator. And no, I expect I think you to do something wrong. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying, it's like, but, but what they're putting into these kids, what, it, you are a predator. The fact mm-hmm. that you're interested in my daughter, you're a predator and I'm watching you. And if she cries, I'm killing you. Mm-hmm. And this is normal. Now we don't say those words because you say those words and you're like, well, that's just crazy. But what message does that image send if it's not that? I'm sorry, but that's just been, uh, I heard prom and my <laughs> circulating on that this whole time. No, I mean, that you actually make a, a great point. It, it's like you, you said the, the word is toxic and what that does. And then when you post that stuff on social media, what you're saying is that I'm okay with it being toxic. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's almost like you're co-signing or signing off on that. And that's bad. And I know we don't necessarily need to go to social media or look to social media for, uh, certain things, but you know, when you see stuff like, and, and it's seen a lot. And I think that's something where amongst other things where we as men actually have to call out other men on the BS. You know what I'm saying? Like we, is some, for a lot of times there's certain things that happen, particularly with black men, there's certain things that happen that we let happen and we kind of let it ride and we don't speak out and say something about it and hold other men accountable because the, a lot of times, as a man, some men, I won't say all men, some men won't take accountability for their actions or their thoughts, for that matter, unless they're being pulled to the carpet by another man. If a woman says something, oh, well, you're just complaining or you're just moaning and groaning, you know. But when another man says, hey, what you said is messed up, what you said is effed up, you know, Um they take heed to that when it's coming from another man. And I think sometimes when we see stuff like that, we as men have to be the ones to call them out on it. Cause like you said, Gerald, at the end of the day, that's that young man who's standing there with that chat with that daughter 
he's somebody's child too. And no, I don't want anybody brandishing any arms on my children, male or female. And 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 it's like not <laughs> look, um I'm laughing because as I put this together in my head, the only thing that can come out is either frustration or laughter. And sometimes I laugh instead of just tears. The thing that we also have to keep in mind is while we're brandishing guns on or while they're brandishing guns on these young men um, to prove a point point. I don't know what the point is. Folks, stay stunting uh, for social media. But that's a whole nother topic. Right. Um, (laughs) While you're pointing a gun at this young man or young. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen. A young non-binary, a young lady, if, if, if you know, preferences. If, if you pull a gun out on their date, period, what you're doing at that point in time, not only are you threatening somebody else's child, you're telling your daughter, I don't trust your decisions. Mm-mm. Exactly. Exactly. I don't believe anything that you say about this kid. And that's why before you get to go out with them, not only are we going to sit down and have a man to man talk. I'm going to take this picture threatening them. Mm. I don't care how you feel about this daughter. I don't care how you feel about this significant other. It's so ingrained in me that this is the way that things should be that I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm going to tell your son that he better have my daughter home by 11 o'clock. No later. But I'm not going to tell my son that I better that he better be home by 11 o'clock. You know why? Because in all honesty, in some way, shape or form, y'all view your daughters as your property, as your pride and joy. You know what else? Your pride and joy, your car. Mm -hmm. You know, I see a lot of guys posting up pictures on Twitter and on Facebook of their babies which is wonderful. I post pictures of my kids too, but I see them also posting up pictures talking about, oh, my daughter is so beautiful and so like light skin and light skin. And I'm not going to get into the whole misogyny of that right now and the colorism of it right now, but a lot of y'all are posting up pictures of your daughters as if you're sexualizing your daughters. Mm-hmm. And so when you pull out these Megatron sized blammers on these significant others on these dates on these partners that are going to prom with your daughter what you're saying is you're not good enough for her only i'm good enough for her i've seen and i just want to admit i used to do this i used to do this thing that i'm about to say right now i told my daughter until you turn 16 i'm the only man you need i told her that (laughs) And you know when it stopped and started getting really just why the fuck did I say that? Why is that in why is that even coming out of my mouth? When she turned 12. She turned 12 and a boy asked her out to the school dance. It was like the sixth grade dance. Nothing big. And she was like, I can't go. My dad said that he's the only man that I need. And I was like, that sounds so stupid. And just hinder so much of her growth and her experiences and her life. I'm not the only man she needs. Mm. I'm not even close. Because I'm going to make so many mistakes. And I'm going to mess up so many things. And I'm not going to give her all the information that she needs. That she needs other men in her life to give her that information. She needs other people in her life. If it's not men, she needs other people. You are not her world. She's yours, and that's a problem. She's your world, and that's the issue with this whole thing. Your children should be your world. Your family, your whatever should be a part of you, but they shouldn't be your world because, like Bruce Lee said, to paraphrase and change it up a little bit, if you're focused only on that one world, you're missing the glory of the galaxy. Mm. And your other children, your significant other, your friend, your job, your hobbies, these are all part of your galaxy and you're losing all that because you're worried about what your daughter's doing because she's out at 11.32 and you told him he better have her back at 11.30. (laughs) (sighs) 
Gerald, thoughts? Mm, no. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. <laughs> oh, you know what, fellas? Like I said, I was at um a softball game, a softball tournament over this weekend, and um, oh, oh, hold up, hold up. Oh yeah, I'm go sorry, for it. Rashani, Before you, before you go, talk about the softball effect. Thank you. <laughs> the I was at this um a softball tournament uh this weekend for my daughter and her team and uh her team is a travel team you know this is the first travel team she's been on really it's the first experience that i've had with softball played uh at this level and on a girl's team my dad plays softball uh he played class a or maybe he played hardball i don't know it all it all blends together to me see i don't like baseball I find it incredibly boring. I'll be honest what? with you. Like the the whole you idea. You like baseball? It, my dad played it, and when I was okay. a kid, we were forced to sit there and watch it. Like when I was from three years old up until I was like nine, when he tore his Achilles, I was forced to sit on the bleachers. I couldn't go to the park. I couldn't do anything but sit there and watch his games. And as a kid, you if, if you sit yeah, there and I, you're being told don't move, it's like th- there's a park right there. Why am I doing this boring thing? So it, you know, it becomes boring. I love playing it, but I just mm-hmm. can't watch it. Um, when my dad played it, there was no, it seemed like there was no camaraderie in it. And, 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 and I just want to talk real quick about this thing that I saw today that was like eye opening to me and I call it the softball effect. Um, Guys, we do not encourage one another enough. We compete with one another. We will work with you in a way to build ourselves up. We'll join you on a show in a way to build ourselves up. Like our overall, okay, people are going to hear you. People are going to hear me on your show. We'll come to your house and eat your food. But we don't really compliment one another we don't really build each other up and i never really thought about that until i went to this tournament this this two-day tournament and heard without a shadow of a doubt 60 encouraging things said per minute Mm. these ladies when somebody was up the bat they were like you got this hit. You can do it. Good hit. Good strike. Good dig. Good eye. Good look. Good this. Good that. Good whatever. There was never anything said that you need to improve this. Even if they struck out, they said good fight. Good way to stay in it. Good effort. Good hustle. Good heart. Somebody got a, um, the pitcher, uh, pitched the ball on our team. The pitcher pitched the ball. And Mm -hmm. a a young lady on the other team hit the ball and the ball uh, went into the outfield. The outfielder tried to make a jumping catch for it and missed it just by a little smidge and it rolled off a little bit further. She stopped it and threw it back to second plate or yeah, second base. Standard, standard play. If it was guys, it would have just been silent. Nothing. She would have, they, they, you would have been standing there knowing in your head, I messed up. My team is looking at me. Not on this team. As soon as she got that ball into second base, they were right there. Good dig. Good stop. Good throw. Good hustle. Good effort. Good this. Good that. Good other. And I'm sitting there like awed at how much these young ladies are into supporting one another no matter what. And I heard some of them sitting on the bench. This wasn't just like during the game. This wasn't just like, okay, somebody, um, I got to say something because the rest of the team is saying something. While one player was up to bat, other players were talking and they were like, oh, she's having trouble with her swing. She hasn't gotten a hit yet. But you know what? That's all right because for this tournament, I haven't gotten a hit in like four games. So I got the same batting average she has right now. What we need to do is tell her about these batting cages that we go to and blah, blah, blah. Fellas, we need to implement the softball effect. We need to. And we are so scared to compliment one another. 
We're so scared to be that first voice. To be that one who says something uplifting to the next person. But it can't be that way. It's got to be, yo, I felt that. That's, that. That statement was strong. Yo, yo, you're looking nice today. Yo, how are you? Like, just something uplifting the others instead of looking to just be there. In hardball, we're just there. You're not talking. You're not getting involved. You're just really waiting for your turn to come up to bat. And then after you bat, you're just right back to waiting for your turn again. In softball, it was a complete unit. Everybody was there for the uplifting of everybody. The crowd was in it, yelling these uplifting just affirmations to these young ladies over and over again. And I just stood there, quiet, because I didn't know the code. Mm. I didn't know the right words to say. The ladies are chanting things to one another. They have songs and cheers that they have for when somebody gets on base or when there's one more out. They know all of these secret codes, and I've played baseball, and I've never heard anything like this, and I don't know the code. If y'all have ever played baseball in high school, if you ever played baseball in college, you can let me know now if it was as quiet as it was in my dad's baseball game. Nobody was <laughs> chanting. The only thing that got chanted was somebody in the crowd was like, hey, batter, 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 swing, batter. That was it. Mm. We can do better. We can. Y'all got anything? I mean, I'd say... um I've seen that type of support. I've been a part of that type of support. It wasn't, it probably wasn't baseball, but it was, I was young when I played baseball, but my, my high school basketball team was that tight. Um, it was like a, a unit and a brotherhood and these guys, you know, still, um, connected like brothers today, but it was, it was that type of environment when we played ball, when we were at practice, when we were in school away from practice on the weekends, like the basketball team was a unit and a brotherhood. And we, um, we took care of each other on and off the court. Um, I had a, I had a dude who was on the team who I thought hated me. I mean, he, I thought he completely hated me. Um, but I was dating a girl who, was cheating on me and he, he knew about it. And, uh, you know, he, he went and talked to our coach and said, Hey coach, can you, can you talk to Gerald about this? Cause I know he won't accept it from me. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've seen us do that. I've, I've, I've been around phenomenal men, uh, in my life, but I, you know, to be honest, it, it always is, it's in groups like that, right? When we can come around a particular interest in common and then you can you can form those bonds where um men will encourage each other that way and they will feed each other but um just in in life like you don't see you don't see the softball effect just in life the way that you see it uh you know with women i mean black women are constantly uh supporting each other uplifting each other mm-hmm. And uplifting us and every other group out there who needs support and uplifting, like, like for some strange reason, black women who are habitually shit on by every other group in society find the energy to support each other and every other group in society whenever they are wronged. Um, I don't know how they have that energy, but they do. And for women, especially black women, that just, it seems to be a part of what they're raised up to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and for men, I think it's very much a, like, if you are in the circle, right? If we are, have come together around a common thing and we spend enough time with each other and there are expectations that we function as a unit, then that can grow. Um, but it's not, it's not common. I would agree. It's definitely not common. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. No, I I was just going to piggyback on what Gerald said. I mean, I've experienced the same thing having played, uh, organized football from the time I was eight 
up until through college. Um, same thing, uh, the group mentality, uh, very encouraging. And then subsequently, even away from football, I found a crew of friends, lifelong friends that I've been friends with, you know, 30 plus years where we do the same thing. You know, it's, it's constant encouragement. Um, even when one isn't doing what he's supposed to do, you know, we're still encouraging each other. And I think that was a mentality that I got from football. And it just really just went from on the field to off the field. And, and it's like Gerald said, it's, I'm still the same way with my, my college teammates as well. Um, where we constantly support each other and it's constantly, you know, always something positive. And then I just, when I even look back on my life, uh, just coming up as a child, I remember, you know, being disciplined by my father and my dad will always, it didn't matter, no matter what the situation was. Like I, if I, let's say I got a bad grade, you know, he's going to come in and fuss and let's say I got a spanking. But after that, he always ended the interaction with something positive. He would always say, well, look, you know, I believe in you. I know you can do it. This is not something that's impossible for you to do. You can do it. I have total faith in you. And so even after all of the fussing or whatever happened or spanking or whatever the case may be, you end on something positive. And I think I've been able to just kind of carry those lessons from him as well as what I learned from my friends and then football as well. Like Gerald said, it's been a collective. You, you see that in a group and you see that in pockets. But we as men, particularly black men, we would be better off if we could take that four or five steps further for us in our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and so as we're talking about the sports, right, I think there's a big difference between um, basketball and football versus baseball, because you have to work as a cohesive unit mm-hmm. to move a ball down the field. You have to work as a cohesive unit to move the ball across the court and get it into that bucket. But with baseball, it is a one-on-one game. Mm-hmm. Everything about baseball is one on one. It is pitcher versus batter, and everybody else in the field is there. But when it all comes down to it, either I'm going to make you look bad, or you're going to make me look bad, and each person gets their turn to go up there and either make somebody else look bad or look bad themselves. And so I think that isolation of baseball kind of feeds into the masculine isolation that we have. And we're less inclined to support each other in those moments. It's almost like I want to give you the ability to concentrate on what you got to do. And you got the coach who's giving signals down a third baseline. And, you know, that's about it. Right. You you got your catcher giving you signals here and you got your coach giving you signals down a third baseline. And that's the only help that you get. Um, whereas I think it's just because of the way that girls and women are brought up, it's more natural for them, even in that isolated moment, to give encouragement to the person who's at bat or on the mound. And I think that's an even, just as I'm thinking through it, that's an even more powerful message about the softball effect. It's easy to provide support to somebody when we all have to come together to make that win happen. Mm -hmm. But are we going to provide support when that person is out there hanging out on the line on their own? They've got to do it on their own. Are we going to be there to let them know that we're behind them? Are we just going to be silent and hope that they succeed? And it goes back to, you know, the word that you use, Rashani, uh, competition. You know, competition is everything. And we're taught from an early age about being competitive and, you know, that king of the hill mentality. And, you know, we take it uh, as young men, as children, and we take it on into our lives. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, sticks with most of us. And there's nothing wrong with being competitive. I'm, I'm one of the most competitive people that you'll ever meet, you know, but I'm also in a position where I've always wanted to be, you know, helpful and then also supportive, particularly of my family and friends. Um, you know, I want to see them win. Uh, I, I had, as I was, you know, thinking about what we were going to talk about on here, um, I thought to, you know, one of my closest friends who 
he's in our crew. I mean, I've known this guy 30 plus years and, you know, he's always constantly talking about, well, not always, but from time to time he will talk about, you know, the success that some of us in the crew have had that he hasn't had. And I'm like, look, I'm we we all support each other. And so I want to see when when one of us win, all of us wins. And so it's not like we're anybody's jealous of anybody else. You know, I want to support and be there. And I think that's I think that stuff goes a long way. And I just try to instill that in him and, and my other friends as well, because, you know, we're not in competition with each other. We we all don't travel the same path, but we all have a destination mm-hmm. and we're just trying to get there. That's it. One thing that uh, struck me uh, is that in sports, there's so the softball effect can also be the football effect. It could be the sports effect mm-hmm. uh, in a larger way. I just want to point out that sports as a whole, organized sports, is a safe space. Yes. For a lot of people. Uh, because the stuff that gets talked about, the plays that get ran, the things that you do in that in that time, in that space with this band of uh, family, brothers, sisters, co-ed, whatever may be the team may be built up of, is something that the rest of the world doesn't get to experience. And so you may feel more comfortable with letting your guard down and being more mm-hmm. supportive of people in that safe space because you know that they're supportive of you. You know that you uh, may compete against one another, but when it comes down to it, this is the person that's going to fight for you all the way through to the last second of the game or whatever may be going on. Um, I just really want to extend that out to everybody. I want to challenge people to have that effect in your home, make that safe space with your children, with your daughters, with your sons, with your significant other, with your uncles and aunts or whomever it may be. So then they feel comfortable opening up to you about how they may be feeling. Um, be able to compliment them like we shouldn't. And I said this on Facebook a couple of days ago. Complimenting your kids shouldn't be like a drop of water in the desert. It should be like a waterfall into an ocean. Right. Um, it, it it isn't a way to discipline somebody. Like withholding compliments of your kids isn't a good way to live. Let them into your safe space. Be open and vulnerable with the people who are closest to you. Right. And watch them be vulnerable with the people closest to them that is the effect and that is how you get unburdened kyle i want to thank you so much for stopping by man it it's it's always a blessing it's always wonderful to talk with you and oh no problem i say it's always a blessing to be in the house of my brothers as a spinoff of it's always a blessing to be in the house of the lord (laughs) but it it is. It's absolutely an honor to talk with y'all. And and Gerald, bro, like you're doing so many big things and I'm 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 proud of you. I'm proud of you and I'm excited because I'm not taking those steps, but I want to walk with you and see how you like I, I know I just want to see your successes. I want to see them pile on top of each other. And then when your successes are so high that you're all the way to the sun like Icarus, not falling just all the way up. I want to be able to point up and say, that's my boy. That's my but see, boy that's, right there. That's not how I work though. Cause as, as you know, uh, every, everything I learn, the first thing I do is turn around and I say, here's what I learned. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to get to the sun and then be looking like it's, it's warm up here. Like <laughs> Where I would at? much rather, yeah, I'd much rather just be, you know, taking a slower path, but at every step that I take, I'm going to take a step back, turn around and say, okay, here's how I did this. And, you know, what I've found is that, um, as I do that, cause it's just naturally how I am. If I learn something and I know somebody else needs to know it, I know it now. So I'm going to teach you. But what I see is that like the group of people who continue on that journey with me become smaller and smaller because people kind of drop off and say, well, I was willing or I was motivated to go up to this point, but now, you know, they just stop. 
But and I'm fine with that because you can't take everybody with you. But the way I see it is all the people who helped me get there and then all the people who I'm seeing as as I'm as I'm learning these things who are in the same spot as me. It's like, OK, I figured something out here. Let me give it to you. Figure something out here. Let me give it to you, because when we all are successful, we're all going to be looking around at each other and saying, all right, so we're all here now. And now we have all of these resources that we've compiled together. Now, mm-hmm. what can we build together that's going to that we can use to go and lift up the other folks who are either coming up behind us or who dropped off along the way? Mm-hmm. So I just it's a it's a collaborative effort. But but I do appreciate that because, you know, I, I work my butt off. I, I try to solve problems for people. And it gets frustrating sometimes because it feels like I'm not moving as fast as I could. But um, I'm learning something new every day. I'm trying and figuring out new things every day. I'm helping people and getting the emails saying, hey, this is changing my life. Um, I just got to be patient. And having support from friends like you is, is huge. Having unburdened is is massive right now in my life. I, I did not know how much I needed this podcast until you came and said, hey, I have an idea for a podcast. Um, so this is just a blessing, man. And, and Kyle, it's, it's been awesome listening and learning from you, too. I Same know we'll here. just continue to collaborate more, you know, as, as time goes on, because that's what we are here for. That's what this platform is about. This is what leadership looks like. Oh, no doubt, man. I, and I appreciate you guys having me on because I heard the first episode and I immediately sent Rashani a, a message. I said, yo, I love it. And, um, you know, he, you know, invited me to come on. I was like, look, <laughs> you name it, I'm there. And so it was just a matter of, of, you know, setting up the time and everything like that. So and this is somebody who I can honestly say, man, and, and Rashani, I've told you this before and I'll say it again because it's been a while. He's the same dude, same dude that he was, you know, nine, 10 years ago. Honestly, he's the same guy. And I think that speaks volumes, you know, no matter how things have been with good or bad, you know, he's managed to stay even keel. And I think that speaks volumes to, you know, the man that he is and the man that he's become. And, and, and I think one of the things that we have to make sure that we're seeing, and, and I think this podcast shines light on is that we all come in so many different styles and flavors, if you will, that we all have something different to bring to the table mm-hmm. and we can all learn something from the next man and be celebratory and congratulatory when it happens for the next man. And it's not taken away from you. It Your turn is coming. Everybody gets a turn. That's an old saying, but it's an old Southern saying that I love, but everybody gets a turn and God willing, we'll all get our turn. And, you know, you're going to get that shot. And, you know, when you get that shot, there should be somebody, your brother, your friend, that your man's in them <laughs> to, you know, be there to pat you on the back and say, you know, you did it. And I think that speaks volumes to who, who, who we who we're trying to become. And before we close out, I just want to say thank you to Alex Dumas. Um for uh, just being open and honest in that video you put out uh, this past week. I love seeing or getting the opportunity to see black men being vulnerable and being open. I'll tell y'all right now, I've been, it's, it's in me right now. It's, it's building up that I'm going to cry really soon. Um, and I don't say that like it's a joke. I don't say it like I'm going to cry really soon. Ah! I'm saying that like I feel the emotions and pressure building up inside of me. And whenever that happens, my release, my my reset, my 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 pressure valve is to cry. And the reason why I know that it's going to happen is because the smallest things will start to evoke like emotions in me that are almost overflowing because I'm so full up with all this stuff. So I'll hear a song and will start to tear up, but it won't come out. It won't cry. I won't cry. And I'll see like I was watching this show and one young man was playing a guitar and somebody jumped up on stage with him and started playing guitar with him. And my eyes started to well up, but it didn't come. So I know that by this time next week, I'm going to cry about something and it doesn't have to be something bad. It doesn't have to be somebody died or it doesn't have to be somebody hurt mm-hmm. me or anything like that. You don't 
have to save your tears. Men save their tears like they're going to take them down a notch. You don't have to save your tears when something bad happens. I might be crying when my son hits a shot or when my daughter um, gives me a call when she's at her mom's house or when my wife and I are talking. I don't know what's going to cause these tears, but I know it's not likely going to be a sad experience. And I'm going to bask in them and rejoice in the opportunity to release these emotions that for so long we were told that we weren't supposed to unleash, that we were supposed to hold in and keep bottled in. So I hope that each one of y'all, my challenge to each of y'all, all y'all guys who are listening to this show, everybody who's listening to this show, my challenge to you is to really take stock of the last time that you cried. When's the last time that you shed tears? And what was the reason why you shed tears? If you haven't shed tears in a while, just find something that triggers your emotions to where you cry. For me, it, it might be a TV show. You know what used to trigger me a lot? What used to make me cry just happy, bewildered tears? Sunset Park. When Drano was hitting three-pointers <laughs> after he was scared to shoot for so long, and he right. starts shooting, and he starts hitting threes, I start tearing up. I start bawling. 911 by... um. T.D. Jakes and, and, and Kirk Franklin makes me cry. I don't even know why. There are certain things that just affect me and grab me, and we all need to find what those are. So then if we need to cry, if you honestly need to cry, you can go back and find it. Otherwise, yeah. I'll tell you right now, you're going to be on the freeway, and all of a sudden you're just going to start crying out of nowhere. And that's dangerous, gentlemen and ladies yeah. and non-binary. <laughs> it is. My um so one I I think that there may have been one episode in the last three seasons of uh This Is Us where I didn't cry oh, so every week I get at least one good cry from This Is Us um but also I just this weekend uh binge watched Atypical around all the work I was doing mm -hmm. I actually binge watched the second season of Atypical uh y'all familiar with that show right yes I'm I've about heard five episodes into the first season yeah so I, I just finished the second season but Atypical is a beautiful show um you know long and short it's about a family um and the older son is autistic um and it's just a family dealing with family stuff and it's I was just telling my wife, it's a show where they do not have any one dimensional characters or one dimensional storylines. It everything and every person gets completely fleshed out. And there are just some beautiful moments in that show. And the tears just bloop. And I'm like, this is just great. This is great right now. So, yeah, man, it, it, I, I in fact, I don't know about other men, but I rarely cry because I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. about anything mm -hmm. or sad or upset about anything beauty makes me cry mm -hmm. mm -hmm. that's nice and you know one of the best things in the world i never saw my dad shed tears i didn't but my sons my daughters my family my friends can walk on walk in to my room or or downstairs at any given moment and see me just sitting there with like just tears streaming down my face Every time that I've seen Black Panther, I've cried. <laughs> Seriously. Like, it's either when they, when he says, and, and to quote T'Challa, I, this, I, this never gets old. Every time they go into Wakanda for that first time, I cry. Every single time that, um, that Okoye hops down from the top, uh, floor of the casino, I cry. Every single time that she sit, that she's standing on top of that car with her red dress billowing up and a grin on her face like she's having the time of her life, I cry. And my kids know it. And they are no longer afraid to cry or be open because dad is doing it. Mm -hmm. So my son, Kid Awesome, he cries about all of it when he has anxiety. He cries when he's overwhelmed. He cries when he's happy. He cries when he's sad. He cries. And he may not always say this is what I'm crying about, but I know when he's crying, it's a pure moment. I'm going to leave him alone. After a while, I'll come over and give him a hug, kiss him on his forehead, and just say, you know what, rub his back a little bit. But by and large, 
I know that that is how he deals with his emotions, which is one of the most courageous things that I've seen in an 11 year old. When other people your age are standing there looking to tear you down because that's what they were taught by their parents. That's a whole other conversation, gentlemen. We are now way past uh, the cutoff time. Uh, Kyle, again, I thank you so much. I do. No problem, man. Brother, Anytime. Brother, I love you. Uh, bless love you, too, you bro. and the family. And yo, 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 I saw that band video. It was dope. <laughs> Gerald. I love you, bro. Yes, sir. And I'm so grateful. Love you too, man. And Corbin, wherever you're at right now, I hope that it's on YouTube, and I hope that y'all are having a great time. And we'll see y'all soon. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. Y'all be good. We're out. Peace. Peace. You can follow the show at Unburdened Pod on Twitter. Voicemail is 916-572-9016. Email is blackinunburdened at gmail.com.